I'm glad you found your way to the Your Vet Wants You to Know podcast for more information about how to care for your pet. The show is designed to be educational and entertaining, but not to give a specific diagnosis or treatment for your animal. That job belongs to your veterinarian who knows your pet and wants to talk to you about what's going on with them. I'm here to be a resource only. Thanks and enjoy the show. As a curious pet owner, have you ever taken to the internet for more information? Maybe you want to know why your pet is itchy and what you can do about it. Maybe you're frustrated about the ear infections. Maybe you're looking for ways to make veterinary care more affordable. Instead of wading through a sea of information that may not be reliable and in some cases may be harmful, here is what your vet wants you to know. I'm Dr. Brittany Lancelotti, board certified veterinary dermatology specialist. Join me to get the information you're looking for to care for your pet. If you're curious about your pet, then your vet wants you to know. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Your Vet Wants You to Know. I have a very special guest with me today, Dr. Christine Clippen, who is going to be talking about feline lower urinary tract disease and urinary obstruction. I'm very excited to have an expert on to talk about these important diseases that we see in cats because it's something that I think a lot of cat owners should be aware of. So thank you very much, Dr. Clippen, for being here today. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and why this topic is important to you. So I am an emergency veterinarian, and I have been an emergency veterinarian for about 12 years. And I work at a very large referral center in Washington, D.C. And so unfortunately, this is a condition that I see walk through my door at least half a dozen times a week. Not a lot of people know about it, and it can be a potentially devastating as well as frustrating disease. And so I'm really pleased to be able to share a little bit more information, especially for some of the newer pet owners that are out there. That's great. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what feline lower urinary tract disease or fluted and urinary obstructions are? Give us a look inside the body at what's happening in these cats. So feline lower urinary tract disease refers to a bunch of different signs that we may see in a pet. We may notice straining in the litter box. An owner may notice blood in the urine of their pet, frequent small urinations, as well as inappropriate eliminations or urinating outside of the litter box. Whereas a urinary tract obstruction is an actually potentially life-threatening condition where the urethra is blocked and will not allow the passage of urine. For our listeners, let's give a brief anatomy lesson of what we mean when we say urinary tract. What organs does that involve? So the urinary tract will consist of the kidneys, the ureters, which are thin little noodles, if you will, that connect the kidney to the urinary bladder. And then when the urinary bladder contracts and empties, urine leaves the body through the urethra. What kind of different disease processes will cause feline lower urinary tract disease and urinary obstruction? So there's actually a number of different disease processes that may be present causing the clinical signs. So some of the things that people will automatically jump to are urinary tract infections. But we know that the actual incidence of urinary tract infections in male animals as a whole is actually pretty low. So it's not usually the first cause. 
Other potential causes that we may see include crystals within the urine. So the way that it, I describe it is it's almost like having little diamond shards within the bladder that irritate it and cause that contraction in those clinical signs. We can see bladder stones, which are accumulations of some of those crystals that can, again, block the urethra. But an almost overwhelming condition that we see very commonly is a condition called feline interstitial cystitis. And this last category will actually represent almost two-thirds of all patients with urinary signs. And so how are they going to know that it is feline interstitial cystitis rather than some of these other things like a urinary tract infection or bladder stones? So feline interstitial cystitis is actually a diagnosis of exclusion. And so what that means is that we run specific diagnostics to try to figure out a cause. And if we are not seeing evidence on our diagnostics, then we're usually left with the diagnosis of that feline interstitial cystitis. Why would you say feline interstitial cystitis occurs in cats? Feline interstitial cystitis is thought to be as a result of a consequence of of chronic stress in a cat. And stress can be from a number of different reasons from other cats, changes in the environment. So let's say you've added a new baby to the household, a new partner has moved in, you've moved to a new place, changes in the diet, even for those cats that have been hospitalized and gone home. Do you have any stories of cats in particular that were stressed for a certain reason that then wound up getting a urinary obstruction? A number of years ago, I met this lovely little tuxedo cat um, named Charlie, and he had a lovely little British owner, and Charlie was quite the the big cat. He was about 27 pounds. And so obviously, <laughs> food and his meal times were quite important to him. Where I was practicing at the time, down south, they were never prepared for winter storms because it just didn't happen. And I remember there was a a storm that occurred that shut down the city with ice and snow and the city didn't have salt trucks. And so the owner was unable to get home for a couple of days to see Charlie. And once she was able to make it home, Charlie thanked her by becoming urinary obstructed. And so then it became the added stress of her navigating these unsafe roads to get to me in the emergency room where he ultimately spent the rest of the weekend with me and did just fine. But that was definitely a story that I remember because the owner was so lovely and this cat was such a giant cat that missing a meal was quite stressful for him. I bet. Poor guy. He must have been so hungry. And I'm sure relieved (laughs) when he was able to get back home eventually. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what a urinary tract obstruction is. Is it the same thing as the stones that we were talking about before? So a urinary tract obstruction occurs when the urethra becomes plugged with inflammatory cells. And so inflammatory cells are things like pus, red blood cells, crystals, even those bladder stones that we talked about. And when this occurs, the bladder starts to fill and stretch, which can then become very painful for the cat. 
And if left untreated, these cats can be at risk for things like bladder rupture. They can have elevations of their kidney values or the waste products, which can make them feel really sick. They can also have elevations of blood potassium levels that can actually be pretty toxic to their heart. And I unfortunately, in my career, have seen cats pass away without any sort of intervention. So it can be a very serious condition. So if there's any chance that this is possibly occurring, it's important for those pet owners to get their cat to the vet right away, huh? Yes, absolutely. So what are some changes that a pet owner might notice at home that would be concerning for a urinary obstruction? When should they bring their cat into the vet? Signs of a urinary tract obstruction can sometimes be really challenging. Sometimes we may have owners call and they'll report that their pet looks like they're constipated. So they look like they are straining to have a bowel movement in their litter box. They may vocalize. They may notice small frequent urinations in the litter box, blood in the urine. They may notice that their cat is licking their penis and their perineal region. Sometimes they may say that they're not eating, hiding, or even pain with light touching of their belly or of trying to pick them up. Those are all really good things to watch for. But I know a lot of times cats are just, they're very stoic and it's hard for owners to tell. Because it is so challenging. I will always tell people to be on the lookout, making sure that you are cleaning the litter box on a daily basis. Because if you're not seeing clumps of urine in a 12 to 18 hour period, then your index of suspicions should start to go up. If they are going in and out of the litter box with any signs of discomfort, so the vocalization, any sort of straining, if they notice that their cat has never you know, sat and licked themselves, specifically licking of their penis or their perineal region, again, those are, should always be those red flags that something is going on and they should have them checked out. And so once the cat is at the vet, what type of tests might be recommended and what information would those tests give the veterinarian and the pet owner? So with either a urinary obstruction or even a suspected urinary obstruction, if we're just not quite sure just yet, the veterinarian may want to get a urine sample to look at the cells under the microscope to look for signs of an infection, look for signs of crystals. They may do some blood work to look to see what their kidney values are doing, what their serum electrolytes are doing. Sometimes they may do some imaging of the abdomen as well. So they may try to take an x-ray or they may use an ultrasound to look to see if they see anything abnormal within the bladder. If the animal does not have an obstruction and we're just looking at those feline lower urinary tract disease signs, what can the owner expect as far as prognosis? What's the outcome for most of these cats? The good thing is that feline lower urinary tract signs and a non-obstructed cat should resolve in about 85% of cats within about two to seven days. And so our goals of treatment are to attempt to minimize the discomfort of the condition and the potential risk for obstruction. And how about if the animal's not getting better within those two to seven days? 
So if an animal is not getting better, then I do think that it is really important to reevaluate the diagnosis. I have seen in my career little stones that can be missed. And so it may not necessarily be the first thing that your veterinarian may jump to in regards to doing imaging. But again, if the signs are not improving, consider doing some sort of x-ray or ultrasound to make sure that you're not missing something. Yeah, I think rechecks are super important, especially if an animal's not getting better, really communicating with the veterinarian and figuring out as a team what the next step is so that the animal can improve is going to go a long way towards making that animal more comfortable. Now, once there has been a diagnosis of a urinary obstruction, what different treatment options are available for those cats? So treating the obstruction is first and foremost the the most important thing that we're going to do because this is the life-threatening condition. Your veterinarian may recommend sedating these cats to pass a urinary catheter to relieve the obstruction. Some cats will receive intravenous fluids um, to, again, dilute out those kidney waste products if they have elevated uh, serum potassium levels. Some people will reach for antibiotics, again, if their diagnostics indicate that there is an infection present, and then potentially antispasm medications that target the urethra to help with the, the discomfort associated with the disease. You talked a little bit before about high levels of potassium and how that could affect the heart. Are there ways that's monitored in these cats with urinary obstructions? Yes. So if we have patients that have really elevated potassium levels, there are medications that we can give them to help protect their heart. Sometimes these types of patients are going to be hospitalized in a larger emergency facility because they may need things like continuous ECG monitoring around the clock. If they are having any sort of life-threatening difficulties in regards to blood pressure, those sort of things, um, they may be you know, hospitalized in, in a little bit more of an intensive care unit. And hopefully we don't get to that point, but it's nice to know that there are emergency facilities and critical care facilities that are able to provide that level of care for these really sick patients. Let's go back a little bit to the pets that don't have a urinary obstruction. Say they just have these signs of feline lower urinary tract disease, but are still able to urinate. It's just not quite comfortable for them. How would you address treatment of those cats? So most of the time, if we are presented with a a cat who is not obstructed, I really want to recommend outpatient therapy because We know that stress is a big component of the condition, so getting these cats home to their own environment is really important. Specific treatment of cats with feline lower urinary tract disease is usually pretty multifactorial, and we may reach for things like medications to, again, help control any sort of discomfort that they're currently having, but we also may make recommendations on treating the environment as well. 
Yeah, this is great. This goes back to the episode that we had with Dr. Harris when she talked about inappropriate elimination in cats in the home. Um, And so I think this really ties in very nicely for making environmental modifications. And she had mentioned in that episode, the um, Ohio State University has really good information on feline lower urinary tract disease. And I know you had given some information on Cornell University, the Feline Health Center has information as well. And I'll have links links to those in the show notes for people. But can you talk a little bit about some of the different environmental modifications that pet owners might be able to make the home more spa-like and less stressful for these cats? So one of the rules of thumb that we very commonly talk about is the litter box one plus one. And so what that means is that each cat in the home um, should have their own litter box plus one. So in my household, I have two kitties. And so consequently, I have three litter boxes. Some cats are very specific in regards to the types of boxes that they have. Some cats don't like covered litter boxes. Some cats don't like litter boxes that have a heavy perfume smell to their substrate. Other things that are really important in the environment are allowing cats to do those cat-like things that they are used to. So having the ability to get up high and to potentially look out the window, those are stimulating their brain and stimulating some of those kind of sensory modalities that they sometimes take for granted because cats are easy keepers. But looking at it from your cat's perspective, so if you know that a neighborhood cat's coming and peering in the window, maybe setting something up to prevent that cat from from bothering, you know, looking at where you're placing your litter boxes. So if it's next to a furnace that comes on at certain times of day, that might be scary, that will spook a cat. And then they again, correlating it with stress. If you are moving to a new house, giving cats the ability to have their own space and then very slowly begin to explore so that it's not um, a stressful sort of change. And then one thing that has been recommended with a lot of my family veterinarians that I work with, let's say you're introducing a new baby to the household, because that can definitely be a sense of stress. Before the baby is coming home, maybe taking some of the swaddled blankets that have touched the baby, the new scent, and bringing them into the environment so that the cats have the ability to introduce themselves to those smells before you now have a a new squalling beast in your home (laughs) that is an interloper. Mm -hmm. Give them a chance to adjust before their whole lives are turned upside down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about pheromones, because I use a lot of pheromones within my hospital, and I think it's really helpful for decreasing stress of pets when they come to see the vet. But how can pet owners use pheromones at home? So a lot of the pheromones um, that are out there, specifically the one that we use in our hospital quite frequently is feel away. They can come in both a spray form as well as a plug-in. And these can be used in smaller rooms, especially the plug-in. So if you have a small room, this can be put in there to, again, give that sense of, of calm to these cats. If you are 
bringing a cat to the hospital, you can use the sprays um, on bedding and those kind of substrates. It doesn't last as long as the plugins, but for some families who have maybe high stress within their household, whether it's inner cat aggression or you know lots of things that are going on, it's just one more thing that they can use in their arsenal to try to help kind of mitigate the level of stress that may be felt. So overall, it sounds like there's not just one thing that can be done to make these cats less stressed. There's a lot of different approaches and oftentimes using multiple approaches will help to bring that stress level below the the threshold where they start to get uh, lower urinary tract signs. There is a handout in the notes to help pet owners evaluate their cat's environment. So you can go through and download that handout and look and see what is it that your cat is experiencing and how can you adjust things to lower their stress level. Um, What about water? Do we have to do anything as far as changing their water, changing their diet? So I am a big proponent of cats having access to additional water sources. They make little um, fountains that will continuously circulate that will encourage cats to drink more. Some pet owners may decide to transition to canned diets um, as well, because my rule of thumb is, is solution is always dilution. There are some prescription urinary diets that are out there that your veterinarian may make recommendations for, especially if during those diagnostics, they identified any types of crystals that were in the urine, because the goal of those diets are to help prevent those crystals from forming, and then therefore hopefully prevent a flare of that feline lower urinary tract disease. Now, I know for skin, with my specialty being dermatology, I see a lot of pet owners who try and change the diet around using over-the-counter diets in order to control the skin disease. Tell me a little bit about the use of over-the-counter diets for urinary tract signs. Is that something that may be helpful or do they need the prescription diet? You know, I really don't believe that the -the over-the-counter urinary diets are able to change the pH enough to be able to have the cause that we're looking for. And I don't think there's been any sort of proven benefit of of feeding those. And so, yes, I think that the prescription diets are really key, especially, again, if they've been identified to have urinary crystals or be prone to those urinary stones, again, from the diagnostics. Perfect. So we want to use something that's got some evidence-based research behind it. Tell me about weight. Is there anything that we can do as far as keeping these pets at a healthy weight that will change the possibility of this occurring? A lot of our feline lower urinary tract kitties are considered overweight to obese. So when you look at the um, age group, as well as their body conditioning, a good majority of them are overweight to obese. Weight loss is very important for a number of different reasons, but again, may help decrease the incidence of having these flares in the future. So it's good to have our kitties at a good acceptable body condition. Yeah, this is just one of a number of different diseases that will benefit from having uh, a cat at a healthy body weight rather than being overweight to obese. What other prevention strategies can pet owners take to help to prevent this from occurring? 
feline lower urinary tract disease and urinary obstructions are super frustrating diseases. Unfortunately, there is no kind of quote unquote cure to prevent it from reoccurring again. And as we talked a little bit about nutritional, we talked a little bit about water consumption, weight loss, treating the environment. These are all considered multimodal. So lots of different approaches to try and keep the clinical signs to both a minimum as well as increasing that disease-free interval. So if an animal has a urinary obstruction and it gets treated, how likely is it that's going to recur quickly? So when they've looked retrospectively with kind of controlled studies, they have found that the reoccurrence rate in these patients are usually within the first seven to 30 days. So it usually occurs pretty soon after being discharged from the hospital. And unfortunately, it can be as high as up to 25% in the first 30 days. So even once an animal has been cleared to leave the hospital, really looking at the changes and some of the interventions that can be employed at home to, again, hopefully prevent from further concerns in the future. I know this is a lot to do with stress. Do you consider this to be a situation where using anti-anxiety medications might be considered? I think that behavioral medications definitely have their place, but they may not necessarily be used for cats on their initial presentation. And if we are having cats that, you know, if we're addressing their environmental needs, don't resolve their clinical signs, and again, we're continuing to have flares, then this might be something that we consider. I personally had a cat for a number of years that needed to go on behavioral medications because it didn't matter what I did to try to keep him kind of in his little safe bubble. Um, He would have little flares here and there. And so I ultimately reached for behavioral medications and it did help. But again, it's not usually my first go-to in these guys. So environmental modifications, making a stress-free environment, giving them more mental stimulation. And then if things aren't changing, consider adding on an anti-anxiety medication. So what are some of the big takeaway points that you want pet owners to remember? If they have a cat at home that has had an episode of feline lower urinary tract disease or has been obstructed before, what is it that they can take away from today's episode? So Feline lower urinary tract disease and and urinary obstruction, uh, they can be really frustrating diseases, both for cat owners as well as veterinarians who are are treating the disease. And so we hear you. Um, I think that's a really important aspect um, that we hear your frustration. We feel for you and we're empathetic with your concerns as well as your cat's concerns. And again, it comes down to a team-based approach. I think that if your cat has been urinary obstructed or has had a flare of the feline lower urinary tract disease, I think vigilance is key. And so these are the cats that I would maybe second guess leaving by themselves to go away for a two or three day holiday. These would be ones that I would consider having someone, a pet sitter, a trusted family member, either staying in the home or checking in on their pets because you never know what is going to be the trigger. And I think that the handout that I provided for this podcast gives us a lot of perspective from a cat's eye view 
that we maybe wouldn't have thought of previously. So really looking at um, things from a cat's perspective and seeing if you can make any sort of changes to, again, try to limit the chance for a reoccurrence. That's perfect. Those are all really great suggestions. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Cliven. Thank you. Many family veterinarians are comfortable managing cats that have had feline lower urinary tract disease or urinary obstructions, but you can find the link to find a critical care veterinarian near you on the website if you would like to consult with a specialist if your animal is hospitalized. You can also view the references for today's show as well as the handout to evaluate your cat's environment in the show notes on the website. And if you have had a cat that has had an issue with feline lower urinary tract disease or urinary obstruction, I would encourage you to join the Facebook group so you can talk with other pet owners and tell us your experience, what's worked for you in making your cat's environment less stressful. I'd love to hear you share those stories with other pet owners. I always end each episode with a segment called Scratching the Itch, and it's a short segment that is designed to highlight something, either a human interest story, a product, a website that just provides relief or makes you feel good, hence Scratching the Itch. And so I was wondering, Dr. Clippin, if you have something to share on our Scratching the Itch segment today. I do. So with COVID and with us all being trapped at home and spending a lot of our time on our computers, as well as being in our environment with our pets a little bit more. If you don't work outside of the home, a lot of people have really enjoyed kind of these monthly subscription kits that you can find, not only for themselves, but their pets. One of my colleagues came up with something that was what we as veterinarians may recommend for a new pet owner um, or, you know, a specific type of product. So, you know, February is traditionally dental month. And so she created a monthly subscription kit for products that were chosen by veterinarians for pet owners. And the name of her kind of kit is Paw Kit Vet. So P-A-W-K-I-T Vet. And she can be found on Instagram. She can be found on Facebook. And then she also has her own website that does have links to blogs for various health topics as well that dog and cat owners may encounter. This is really adorable. I'm actually just looking at the website now while you're talking and I love these boxes. There's so many subscription boxes available. I always wonder like, what am I getting in there? Is it really worth it? Is this something that I trust for my pet? And I love that a veterinarian has actually taken the time to curate things that we do. I mean, we recommend these things on a regular basis and they're not prescription items. They're just really good tools to have as a pet owner. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing this. Of course. Thank you. So if you would like to look into getting a paw kit for your pet, I will have the link in the show notes as well as on the website under the Scratching the Itch page or on the page for feline lower urinary tract disease and urinary obstruction where you can see images and view the transcript for today's episode. Thank you very much, Dr. Clippin, for coming on and sharing all this great information with pet owners. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And for all of our listeners, I look forward to your next visit with Your Vet Wants You to Know. 